Amen. Well, we have a, a guest ministry with us this morning that is Hope Center Ministries and uh, had gotten in, uh, in touch with one of their directors, uh, Ben Zimmer, several months ago. And, and one of the reasons I'm excited for them to kind of come with us, it, it's attached to something that's really sad. And that's the reality that uh, we have a very serious drug and alcohol issue in our region. How many of you would agree with that? All over the world, in fact, there are probably a number of you in this room who your lives have been touched, uh, a personal family member, friend, that addiction has taken a hold of them and it has radically changed their lives, your relationship with them. And, and so we look at what, what that looks like, and there are a number of things, and, and uh, Hope Center will talk about this this morning, but we know that what really changes people who are desperately lost in addiction is Jesus. Nothing else is going to compare. And, and, and so that's really their ministry, uh, but excited to have them come and share this morning. But we have a short video just to kick it off, and then Justin will come up and uh, introduce himself in the ministry this morning. So if we can share that video. Thank you. I can remember one night, and, and um, I just, I just want to beat my addiction so bad. It, it, I should just quit. Like, Zach, just quit. You know, you have your son here. Fight for your son, you know, fight for him. Just through a, a trip to the doctor for a cold, uh, I learned that, that uh, cough syrup with opiates in it uh, just did away with my problems. And um, the drugs just kept getting worse to compensate. I was playing all the time just to compensate, not having any relationships with anybody, including my parents. Like, just everybody was just cut off. I was just playing, 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 playing. You know, people for years have been telling me, man, man, use this time to work on yourself. And I understand what they're trying to say, but I had to take a view of, I'm not here to work on myself. I'm here for God to work on me. I'm here to focus on God and for Him to fix what's wrong. And I can only do that if I give it all to him because I've already tried fixing it several times in several different places. And I truly started to believe, you know, God brought me to the Hope Center to, to find God. It's full restoration, you know, but it's all because of the Hope Center and what it did for me and, and, and how they taught me to develop my relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. God is good. We just thank you so much for having us out today, church. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Um, my name is Justin Reynolds. I'm the director of Hope Center Ministries. We are a 12-month residential recovery program in Greenville, PA. And it, it's just so good to be here this morning. I hear a lot of people say, I found the Lord. And I'm thinking to myself, well, the Lord was never lost. We were the ones that were lost, and he found us. He's the good shepherd. He seeks us out when we make some decisions that uh, aren't good, and he chases us down and meets us where we are. And so, as I said, we're a, uh, a recovery program for men struggling with uh, addiction to drugs and alcohol. We've got about 20 guys in, in our facility right now that can hold around 35, and this is the very first Hope Center to come to Pennsylvania we opened our doors in September of 2021. Uh, we're looking to start a women's center in the Mercer County area, hopefully by the end of this year, maybe early next year, and a men's center in Catanning, PA, uh, around the same time. 
but uh, it's just so good to, to share what God is doing in the lives of our residents. In a moment, I'm going to ask Matt to come and, and give his testimony, um, but I, I just want to give you a brief why I got involved in Hope Center Ministries, because I don't come from a recovery background. Uh, I, I actually went to school for, for law, and God changed my heart on a ministry trip to Africa, and um, I was praying, like, God, I want to be more involved in, in ministry. You know, please show me your will for my life. And this opportunity to get involved with Hope Center opened up. And, you know, I was praying, God, I, I want to see people saved. I want to see people discipled. And he said, this is the ministry where people are hurting. I am close to the brokenhearted. And I'm, I'm going to set the captives free. And so if you want to do what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. I'm saving people in this ministry. And I'm discipling them uh, in their faith and in their walk with with." him. So um, while Matt's given his testimony, I just want to challenge you, if you don't come from that background of drugs and alcohol, try to empathize for a second. Try to put yourself in his shoes and imagine uh, what it would look like. But uh, we're just so so grateful. Matt is one of our residents. He's getting ready to graduate in August, and he's in third phase, so he, he doesn't have too much longer left. So Matt, come on up and share your testimony. Hey, y'all hear me? All right. <clears throat> All righty. Save time. This one, last one, kind of like dwelled on. All righty. So, hi, everybody. My name is Matthew Castle, and this is my testimony. Uh, so, growing up, I never knew my real father. <clears throat> I was told my sister's father was my father, and he was. Uh, this man introduced me to alcohol at a young age. Uh, I ended up being abused from my mother and molested my, he was a child molester. Uh, later on, he went to prison. Uh, my mother was great. She tried to do everything she could for us. She worked extra jobs, picked up the slack, uh, being a single parent. Uh, later on, uh, she and I meeting this guy who was my stepdad. Uh, he tortured me, beat me. nine. Uh, molested and all the other stuff that was went into that category. Uh, this caused me to have issues with school uh, and relationships. I was socially awkward and distant from everybody else, always in my head. As a kid, I prayed to God. I only heard him tell me to be patient. Uh, that was the extent of my relationship with him back then. Years later, my mom got into a bad car accident. The effect of the wreck caused her to go in a coma. And she, and when she came out of coma, she was she was never the same. Lost memory and uh, basically became MR. Had a lot of mental damage. Uh, my stepfather, however, found God as a result of this accident. He started taking me to the church, and we did Bible studies at the house. I still never accepted him though as a father. Seeing the change that he actually changed, I only held on to the past memories. I didn't care, though, because, you know, I mean, what happened to my mom as well. So that added on stuff. I blamed him, too, for that car wreck because he was driving. At the age of 14, we moved to Polk, small town of Venango. This is when I started getting introduced to drugs. I liked it because it made me numb. It blocked out the past, my memories. 
Uh, so I'd always do heavy when I did use. I wasn't getting high for any other reason, but just to uh, get high and drink myself so I was passed out. So at the age of 15, I drunk myself in a coma. I was legally passed off as dead, but was able to get revived in the hospital. Uh, drugs robbed me from uh, doing sports. My sports academic went down the hill. My grades went down the hill, and it led me to end up dropping up in 11th grade. I started selling drugs at the age of 17 for extra income because I knew I couldn't make much money without a diploma. Uh, at the age of 18, I was charged with smoking marijuana. Uh, I smoked uh, marijuana with my friend whose stepfather was the state chief police at the time. So this put me on probation and lived my opportunities and uh, eliminated me from ever joining the military. So this led me to become more involved into motorcycles and gangs lifestyle. Uh, they saw me for, for me. Uh, they, you know, I mean, I was misunderstood is how they said and accept me into their families. They gave me a new name instead of looking at me for just a druggie or a number. Uh, after that, my life would never be the same. Uh, my first drug bus came at the age of 20. They sentenced me to jail. Uh, around that time frame, too, in jail, I was taken off my ARD, my original charge for that, which would have expunged my background. So I got resentenced on that. Uh, my grandparents, they both passed away when I was locked up. But even then, I still didn't change or anything like that because my mind was too focused on getting better in the criminal lifestyle. So after jail, my high school girl uh, gave me the choice to choose her or the criminal lifestyle. So I threw away an eight-year uh, eight relationship and engagement to a good girl. I went all into the street lifestyle. I was constantly in and out of jail, selling drugs and getting into fights. I met my son's mother in hopes that it would change me, but it didn't. I wasn't in my son's life because of my addiction lifestyle. In 2015, I went to prison, and she took my son and moved without telling me. At this point, I couldn't care less about God existed, and I went in even into further darkness, getting more involved in the gangs and the MC lifestyle and selling drugs. Even when I went to prison, that's what I was doing. A couple of inmates in jail told me not to throw away your life, and uh, they tried to get me to understand God and who God really is and his way and how he how he does things. So I ended up getting my diploma in prison and I started develop developing a different lifestyle and understanding with God. In 2017, I was released and was doing well for a while, but relapsed almost a year later. I was so depressed, I tried to drink myself in a coma. Uh, here I was back with my old connections. This time it would almost cost me my life. Uh, people I was hanging around with, they laced my drugs and tried to kill me a few times and being set up and all the other stuff that comes with that lifestyle. I was on the run trying to flee from everybody. Uh, one of the times when I tried to run, I tried jumping in the back of an airplane when I was getting ready to take off. I almost got my head chopped off. So all that did was get a lot more invested in me. So I prayed to God for help and he told me he was going to help me that it would start having, I would have to start doing things his way, and I'd have to give up my whole lifestyle. At that point in time, I prayed. The shock and anxiety was getting to me. I was having chest pains. 
And one day I was going into like a cardiac situation, I a party and stuff. I was going to have my last party before I tried making my next move to flee. And that incident happened. So about a week after that, I prayed. I woke back up. Everything was fine. And later on, I got locked up and basically put me in jail to focus only on him. I ended up kicking a door in kind of like an abandoned mansion where the owners actually only stayed there like once in a while. Still livable, so I kicked the door in there on a bike trail in Benango and uh, kind of like put all my stuff in there. Five days later, the law showed up. So I figured that was kind of like God's way of saying that what he said was true. It's going to be his way. So back to Joe and focusing on his voice. So many churches have uh, kicked me out because of my background, my tattoos, the gossip about me. I felt unwelcome in churches in my area. I try to stay focused on the people God has placed in my life, the positivity and not the reason to give up. My last time in jail, I heard someone talking about Hope Center. I told the pro board and the judge I wanted to go there. How I got the papers was the pro board asked me about the Hope Center even before I even knew about it. And that paperwork got lost in the mail, and somebody on the block just happened to have that, so I filled it out. So when I brought it to the judge, she thought I was crazy because I gave myself more time than what was needed. My sentence was only going to be so much, six, seven months, and this was a year-old program. But I wanted to listen to God and work on changing my life. It's been the best choice I've made. It taught me discipline, self-control, and how to handle my emotions. The program has helped me get back, getting back into my son's life. Uh, Hope Center provides me with church family, a great support system. I learned how to pray. I was baptized. I learned how to have fun without being high. They also do groups like this church and outside our church, our home church, so we get to meet other good Christians from other places. Uh, working through the 12 steps and that I'm still working on, too, but Celebrate Recovery has helped me. I haven't had night terrors. My depression is starting to get better. PTSD and things I struggle with like that. Letting Christ in changed a lot of stuff. Uh, I've never forgot what my first uh, phase counselor told me. There's no such thing as coincidences. It's all God's work. Because I used to just say this is all coincidences. It's not what what it set out to be. But he's been right about that. Uh, now I have the chance to tell others and help others. Let them know it's not too late. No matter what you've done or what people view you as, God is still there for you in crisis. You have to let Christ in there and you have to actually apply his words. He's not going to control you, make you do all those decisions. So it doesn't come automatically or easy. Uh, so I'd like to leave you with Luke 6.22. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because you're the son of man. So basically saying it's not about impressing people, that people don't like you for who you're trying to be. You're still walking with Christ, and that's how you're supposed to live the righteous life. So even though there are people who hate you, you don't need their approval, there's a better life walking with Christ. That's all I got. That's bad. Good job. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. What a powerful story. Uh, Matt's got a bright future ahead of him. He's a super hard worker. He was a leader in the house, and we're just really proud of him. 
and uh, thankful for what God is doing. It's amazing how God can take somebody who is radical in their addiction and make them radical for Jesus. And these guys aren't afraid to minister to people uh, of any background. They're, they're not afraid to share their faith with anybody. And I just encourage you to, to get to know some of them after service. Uh, but now I, I want to introduce the rest of my team. Uh, I want to invite our recovery coordinator, Jason Geating, to come up and, and share um, Jason's going to tell you how you can get involved on the, on the mentor and, and discipleship side of the ministry, and he also uh, can share about how addiction has impacted his life. So, Jason. Good morning. So, I love statistics, okay? I'm going to give you this statistic right off the bat. 46% of Americans know a friend or family member struggling right now with addiction. 46%. And Justin said, my name's Jason Geating. I am the, the, I have a new title now, recovery pastor. I was the recovery coordinator. Um, I'm now the recovery pastor, so I'm going to be taking some courses to uh, become a pastor and better serve uh, the men and uh, women at the Hope Center. Um, I'm a grateful believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, too, am in recovery. So um, 53105. God broke my chains of addiction, and uh, it just didn't happen. Thank you. I tell you guys that date um, for a reason, and, and the reason being is that recovery is possible. Um, it didn't just happen. It's a lot of hard work. It's, I still go to meeting as many meetings this, uh, at this point in my recovery than I did when I first got clean. Um, I had a sponsor, and he told me, Chase your recovery like you chased your addiction, and that's what I, what I do and what I try to preach. Um, you probably asked yourself, what do I do? What, what, what does a recovery coordinator, recovery pastor do? Um, it's very similar to a shepherd, what a shepherd does, okay? A shepherd's committed to the flock, so I'm committed to the guys. I'm the one responsible for guiding them, protecting them, and tending to their needs, um, so basically to serve as a shepherd uh, means to demonstrate commitment to the well-being of others, watching out for them, helping them, teaching them. Um, and after hearing this presentation and hearing the testimony from Matt, you're probably asking yourself, how can I help? How can I get involved? Well, there's a number of different ways you can get involved. Um, ben will tell you a few of them. One of the big um, pressing needs we have at the center are mentors. Mentors, um, so men mentor men, women mentor women. So we have a men's center. We're always in need of men helping to come alongside. Um, iron sharpens iron, we know that. So we're always looking for men to come alongside the guys and uh, counsel and mentor them. Um, you don't have to have any special degree or anything. You just need to have a, a heart for God and a heart for helping and seeing people um, the chains break on people, and uh, eventually, as they said, women will have a, a women's center in the, in the area in the near future, so we'll be looking for the same thing for women. Um, Ben's going to come up here in a minute. I'm just going to leave you guys with uh, one of my life verses, Ephesians 3, 20, 21, and that says, Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power, at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Infinitely more.
Glory to him in the church, in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Isn't it nice to have several different people speaking to you today? <laughs> A little variety. Uh, my name is Ben Zimmer. I'm from up in the Jamestown area. And I wanted to thank Pastor Chris for inviting us in today. Uh, we're really excited to be able to get the word out on, on the ministry. We know it'll help save lives. Uh, the slogan that I, that I see in Hope Center says, restore lives, restore families, and restore communities. And really, truly, if you think about it, that's how it works, particularly in, in, in the realm of addiction. We know the country is being devastated by uh, drug and alcohol addiction uh, in, to, in uh, 2022, uh, 110,000 people 110,000 people in 2022 died of opiate overdoses in the United States. Uh, there was only 42,000 people died in car accidents. So it gives you an idea of the scope of the problem. It's all around us. So um, I just want to tell you a little bit what I do and why I do it, and, um, and then end up with how you might be able to help out as well. So I am the admissions coordinator. The the biggest thing that I uh, am challenged to do is to really try to get men, and eventually when we open the Women's Center, women connected to Hope Center. And um, that can be very challenging. We know that, you know, the Bible talks about the adversary, right, how he comes out against us, and we're trying to be the salt that we're called to be, the light that we're called to be on earth. There's always going to be uh, challenges, and, and darkness is going to be working against us, and he does. You know, one of his tools in, in recovery, keeping guys and gals out of getting recovery, is fear and shame and guilt. Right, I've heard it often said that if you're caught up in addiction, you're in a dungeon of fear and guilt and, and shame, and you really just don't want to, you know, admit it. It's, it's a really difficult thing. Uh, it, it has you trapped. So the devil uses that shame and guilt to keep people in denial, keep them trapped, and, and his desire is to, you know, take them out so that they never can fulfill the purpose that God has for them. So there's fear and guilt and denial. Um, the system that this country is using to help people in recovery for drug and alcohol. I mean, I came out of the system. I worked for state government for 35 years. But uh, right now, our, our system is antiquated in, in, in the U.S. You know, right now, the solution is 21-day rehabs, you know. Uh, short-term rehab, medicine that often keeps people caught up in the addiction is being prescribed. There's a lot of really, really uh, antiquated, outdated technologies. It's secular, it's political, and it's financially driven, really, when you dig down to the root of it. So we're fighting against a system that um, is, you know, what the Bible says, who the ruler of the world is right now. We're, we're, we're facing that system and battling this. So we want to bring... We want to bring a system that's proven to work, Christ, into this recovery. That's what Hope Center is all about. And um, so a lot of the guys and gals um, end up in uh, local rehabs, county jail, local rehabs, county jail, back on the street, living in shelters, all kinds of different things. Very, very challenging. So I go into rehabs. I go into detoxes. I go into state prisons. I go into county jails. I, I work with shelters, anywhere you can imagine, and we know that this problem is widespread, so a lot of opportunities to find folks, but very challenging to get people connected. <clears throat> so why do I do what I do? Uh, like a lot of you, uh, the Lord got a hold of me probably, let's see, I'm 67, so 40 years ago, roughly. He got a hold of me to recommit, and uh, I began to 
chase after God and look, you know, what is my purpose? Why am I here? And so uh, I've learned through discipleship at my church that we all have a purpose. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his masterpiece or his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do, all of us. That's what the Bible says. So when you stop and think about that, he's given us all different gifts and talents. We're naturally born with them. Some of them have some tremendous gifts for a lot of different things. The variety is amazing. So he gives us those gifts and talents when he creates us in, in the womb. And from there, we, if we follow a response in our life to our challenges and the different things that occur in our lives in this fallen world, if we follow Christ and Holy Spirit in how to respond to those things, we are, the scripture says, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What that means is following the will of Christ and leading the Holy Spirit when you're facing life's challenges and messes and so on and so forth, you know, the cards that you're dealt, uh, he, he, he changes your, your mess to a message and gives you a purpose. So that's, that's the other reason I'm here. Uh, we had a mess in our family, and uh, so you put the picture up. This is the second reason that I am here. Um, it's a picture of our family. My wife and I raised our children up in Espyville, and the guy in the center there is Benjamin. He's my oldest son. He's 42 now, I believe, 41, 42. He's coming home this weekend, praise God. I haven't seen him in a long time. Teaching internationally. Um, he's got a master's in education, a little girl on the bottom. That's our baby, Megan. She's a certified nurse practitioner. She's been a wonderful blessing. There's certain, I, mean, I love them all, but she, you know, she was my babe. So <laughs> she's uh, coming home, too, to see us this weekend or next week. It'll be great to see her and her grandsons. And the little guy on the left that has that wonderful, kind, loving smile, that was him. That was Brandon, the one we lost to addiction. So, um, you know, he, he loved people. He cared deeply for people. He was a leader in his class. He was an athlete. He, like a lot of us, made a lot of bad choices as well. Uh, he was in wrestling at Jamestown, had a wrestling injury, emergency surgery at Presby, uh, was introduced to oxycodone during that surgery, and in his battle for the next 15 years, you know, one of the things that the guys and gals do is journal what's happened to them. So we have his journal. That's when his uh, introduction to opiates took place. And <clears throat> uh, for some reason, he continued to choose to, to mess with it on and off. It took a number of years to develop into a full-blown addiction. Unbeknownst to my, my wife and I, uh, junior year of college, he called me. Broke down crying uh, from college. He said, Dad, I'm failing out. I'm addicted to heroin. We were shocked. So, um, yeah, that's the other reason I, I'm here is, is to try to uh, prevent that from happening with other families. Okay. One of the things that I learned uh, as I've studied this is, is addiction, a lot of the folks don't realize this, but addiction is a brain disease. Yeah, it starts oftentimes with trauma, like Matt's story was he was numbing the pain that he, you know, the cards, the cards that he was dealt were, were brutal. He was bro raised in a broken home. A lot of people who are addicted are numbing their pain from their childhood and from abuse, a lot of people. And that's the only way they can escape it. So it's a nummy thing. Brandon's thing, Brandon had a little bit of mental health issues, some depression issues. He didn't know what he was getting into when he kept fooling with the meds. And that, the way this, this disease works is it changes, it alters the brain chemistry and the anatomy of the brain. Just like uh, cigarettes alter your lungs or alcohol alters your liver, 
the brain controls all of the emotions and thinking and reasoning. And this addiction, the disease of addiction, alters those things. So they become people that they become people that are they're not the person that God created. Put it that way. There's a science behind it, and people say science can explain anything. Well, I heard it said that science is nothing more than an explanation of the way God created things. Okay, that's what science is. And so when you introduce something into your body that you're not supposed to be introducing multiple, multiple times over and over again, there's consequences. So that's, that's how the disease works. And I think most people know that now. <clears throat> okay, so um, I guess I'm to the point now of what, you know, what can... What can you do as, as the body of Christ? It's in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says that now you are the body of Christ. You and each of you is a part of it. So, you know, you have to ask yourself, what can I do uh, in, in this battle? Number one, everybody can do this and should be is praying. Praying for, praying for the guys and gals that are out there to overcome that fear and that shame and that guilt so that they'll They'll get the help that they need, particularly a Christ-centered program. Praying that they'll uh, have that opportunity that God will, you know, through the Holy Spirit will convict them uh, of shame and of guilt and of judgment, but also encourage them, you know, to, to uh, take the chance and, and, and make that step. I talk to a lot of men and women that don't want to give up 12 months of their life to a long-term program not knowing that it could be the thing that's going to save them and very possibly turn their entire life around, restore their family, and restore communities. So be praying for conviction that the Holy Spirit would draw the guys and gals into the program. Pray for system changes. You know, pray against that darkness that's at the national level that is running a 21-day cycle that is repetitive over and over and over in a jail system that is constantly you know, incarcerating but not really doing anything else to help the individual get recovery. Uh, there's a time and place for jail, I believe that, but the way it's being used now, uh, in many cases for drug and alcohol, certainly isn't the answer. So you're praying for, you're praying for the uh, folks to have the courage to come and be convicted to come. You're praying for system changes. Pray for mentors, as Jason said, leadership nationally. Justin mentioned there's over 40 centers in the, na in the nation. You know how the staffing crisis is right now in all agencies, right? So Hope Center is another one that needs uh, center directors, admissions coordinators, uh, pa recovery pastors, and they need mentors to come in and volunteer uh, at the center. When we open that women's center, we're going to need ladies to come in. It's going to be in Mercer County. We need men now in Greenville. The center is out in the country outside of Greenville on County Line Road. A beautiful mansion, a beautiful facility. The guys there are amazing. I just, I've just, you know, come to love the ministry so much and, and see how much it changes lives. It's really a wonderful ministry. <clears throat> and the last thing that you can do is, is consider... Uh, con uh, donating to a fund that we have called Hope for Recovery. The, uh, I w I've been going into state prisons. I've been in Albion State Prison twice, Mercer's twice, and uh, I've been out in State College at Brenner and Rockview. And I, I meet with three entry coordinators there. They're the folks that help folks get on their feet when they get out. A lot of guys and gals don't have any place to go when they get out. They, they have to have an approved home plan or they won't release them. So... Not only is this ministry good for guys and, and gals that are on the street or in a rehab, but it's also a wonderful ministry for men and women that are coming out of prison 
and have a drug and alcohol background. It gives them an opportunity to get into a, 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 an atmosphere where there's agape love, unconditional love being shared, discipleship, mentoring. The guys attend church. They're required to go to Celebrate Recovery and Church. It's a Christ-centered program where they're being encouraged and loved on. So the men and women coming out of state prison, a lot of them don't have any money. Guys coming out of county jail don't have any money. They also need home plans. So part of my responsibility is to raise money for the Hope for Recovery Fund. The only cost to be in this program is $700 for the whole year, and uh, that's the entrance fee. The rest of the cost for the program is paid through by the vocational training that the guys are involved in eight and a half months of the time they're there. So they're, once they're past 45 days, they go into two vocational training sites, and they're in vocational training 40 hours a week, five days, four or five days a week. So that money that's generated by that vocational training experience goes to Hope Center, pays for the room and board, the recreation, all that takes place, the staffing, buying the houses, all that. So that's the model. But we do need $700 for the folks that don't have it. So if the Lord puts it on your heart to contribute to that Hope for Recovery Fund, Pastor Chris is going to explain how, how to do that. Thank you all. Well, thank you guys so much. And thank you, Mark, for sharing your, your story. It, it takes a certain level of uh, heroism to stand up and just be able to expose that darkness in front of everybody because there is a lot of condemnation. And, you know, I think for us as a church, it's easy for us to sometimes overlook those who have had these kind of stories. And, and the reality that we, we can sometimes look judgmentally and be like, well, they made those decisions. They, they put themselves there. They did that to themselves. And I heard this years ago, and it's something that stuck with me, and I tell my own kids this. I told youth kids this when I was a youth pastor. Um, you know, drug addiction is a lot like fishing. When a fish sees the worm in the water, it can decide whether or not it wants to take the bait. But once that hook gets set, it does not get to decide when it gets off that hook. And a lot of times addiction is that way for the people who are in those roles. Yeah, a lot of them would probably say, I made it, I made it a bad decision. could have been one. I, I made one bad decision at one party. At one th it changed my life forever. But how many of you know that one decision to follow Jesus could change all of that? just to follow Jesus because he's still setting captives free. And so we're going to take an offering on your way out this morning. Um, you know, if, if God's tugging on your heart to give towards this ministry, everything that's given is going straight to them um, so that people can get recovery, that they can have hope. And I, I love that our mission aligns with theirs. We say that we, there's hope for every life in Jesus. They're the hope center because we do believe that the only hope for people stuck in addiction is the hope of Jesus. And, and so I wanted to ask if you'd stand with me. We're going to pray together. I wanted to pray over these guys. Um, if you'd like to maybe just extend a hand as we pray for them, uh, but also asking them to just stand in the gap for those in our region that need to be set free from addiction because of what God is doing in these guys. We want to believe he's going to happen all over the place. And so, Lord, we just thank you so much for Hope Center Ministries and the incredible things, God, that you are doing through this act of obedience. And God, I just pray for each of these men here today, God, and wherever they're at in their journey, 
Lord, that this is the time and place, the moment uh, that they look back on in their lives. They can remember the date, the time, the place to say it's been since then that I've been walking with Jesus and he's kept me clean. He's kept me sober. He's kept me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And God, I just pray that blessing over each of these men. God, I pray a blessing over the center that you would resource them in every way imaginable, God, that you would give them all that they need to be able to reach and make a difference in the hurting and lost and broken people of our region and in around the world. And Lord, we just pray for those who are stuck in addiction right now. God, maybe even some in here who are struggling, maybe some who are watching us online who are struggling, God. And and Satan has used time and time again that same guilt and shame to keep them bound and to keep them broken. And we just pray that by the power of the blood of Jesus that you would break that chain off of them, Father God, that they would find the means to have recovery through Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would take everything that has been a part of their lives and as as addicted as they were to whatever it was, that they would become even more addicted to you. And Lord, that you would draw them in their lives and encourage. And Lord, we thank you and we pray your blessings over each of us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Guys will be out here in the foyer. Would love to connect with you. If you need resourcing or would just love to meet them. Uh, But as I said, we have our giving baskets at the back if you'd like to give towards this ministry. But Lord bless you. Have a wonderful day and give glory to Jesus.